Bustin' Loose Baseball episode 12 is going to be fun. We're going to talk about Luis Garcia being named the shortstop for the rest of the season, even when, I'll say this, Escobar comes back. Plus a decent start for Eric Fetty. We're joined by the double-A manager of the Harrisburg Senators, Trip Keister, to talk about not only the minor league lifestyle that his players are working their way through, but also some of the top prospects in the national system over the last couple of years that have come through his level. And... We will play fair or foul. Producer Darris put together some questions. Danny and I will, I don't know if we're going to debate or converse upon. Answer them? Discuss them? Mm, all of those all things. All those things. On Boston Loose Baseball, which starts right now. Is that a, is that a good Jerome Hareska? Right now. There it's your go. pitch. Nationals Baseball starts right now. Give me a Jerome Hareska. It all starts on Bust and Loose Baseball right now. It all starts on Bust and Loose Baseball right now. Ah, the right now wasn't that good. But Try what it you one more the point? time. Try it one more time. How's he do right? Okay. <clears throat> he does. It's more yeah. of like a right now. Yeah, yeah. It all starts right. Wait, no, wait, hold on. Ooh, that was. That, uh, premature, premature. Yeah. I've done that before, too. <clears throat> premature is tough. What? Here we go. It all starts on Bust and Loose Baseball right now. It's a little scary, but yeah, it's, it's it's more horror movie than I want. Darius, fire the open. This is Bustin' Loose Baseball with Grant and Danny. Interviews, analytics, and analysis on everything baseball in the nation's capital. Episode twelve already off to some type of start. Let's talk about Alcides Escobar having lost his shortstop job. He got hurt. Luis Garcia got called up. Garcia is hitting over 350, hit another home run. He's got a couple of those now. Last night, uh, I should say, because I don't know when people are listening, on Wednesday night, he made a sparkling defensive play at short where he has struggled, and he hit another bomb. That's what we're looking for. I- I've made a top five list I put on Twitter at Grant H. Paulson just the other day where I said, these are my five biggest reasons for watching the Nationals the rest of the year. The top of the list, non-Soto division, what is Luis Garcia? And we're trying to figure that out. Early returns are very good. Uh, again, we talked about this a little bit last time, but you know, as we go around the league, and th- that was a, a, a moment where the Braves had a lead, nobody had managed any loud contact kind of throughout the point of that game. He's got a plus count, unleashed the head of the bat, and you know, tattooed a ball over the right center field wall, just absolutely crushed it. Nice fluid swing on a hundred mile an hour fastball, by the way. Just just gives you an idea of the time that we're in. But those kinds of moments are the 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 catnip, right? That's the 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 sustenance for for Nats fans in this sort of, you know, long desert of development and this long time we're going to sort of wait for them to be really good again. It's going to seem, you know, like it takes forever even though it's hopefully going to be a couple years if things come you know go according to plan, but you see those signs. You see those moments where, yeah, he turned around a 100 mile an hour fastball kind of up and in and it was an elite swing and you mentioned the sparkling defensive play as well. Again, I, I still don't know if he's a shortstop or not, but I'm also not that concerned about it right now. Like, what, what better time than to have him play short, GP, and have him kick a couple balls into the stands and, and, and make his normal mess-ups? Normally, you'd say do that down on, the, down on the farm. This is not normal. This is a rebuilding team. He should be every, there every day. It was good to hear Davey Martinez say that. Yeah. Uh, one thing I will say is he's not, he's not a walker. Like me, he he does not like to walk. Uh, he has one walk so far. Strikeout rate is still he's striking out like every five or so at bats. Fifty four abs. He's got about ten k's, but he is hitting three fifty two. So you don't worry much about that right now. Three sixty eight on base. Very very impressive. You could hit him second right now if you wanted to. Slugging over five hundred eight eighty seven ops. It's been really good. I am really interested in the defensive part of the equation here. 
Is he a second baseman? You know, what do they do with him ultimately? I'm pretty comfortable in saying I don't think he's an everyday shortstop, but let's let him play there and see what happens. Exactly. Uh, as far as Escobar goes, as someone asked me the other day, they're like, well, what do you do with Alcides Escobar? With all due respect, I don't care. I'm not sure. It doesn't matter to me. He can sit and watch like the rest of us, or he could be here or not. Um, Have him keep the coffee hot and the Gatorade cold. I mean, I don't care. (laughs) Yeah, a utility guy, I would say. Uh, You can spell Michael Franco at third more often, uh, who is another guy that's kind of a replacement level, not that important in the big picture of the the rebuild here. Um, So those two guys could split some time, or you you could give Cesar Hernandez more days off at second. I mean, he may be traded. One of these guys I'm naming could be elsewhere at some point. So it doesn't really matter as long as, to me, Luis Garcia continues to play short every single day. My one nugget on Luis Garcia, historically, his time in the major leagues, you're right about the walk rate. It hasn't been there. I think the adjustment that's coming now is, okay, young man, you can hit strikes. Let's see what you do with not strikes, right? I, I think that's going to be the second time around the league or, is you know, it's kind of the scouting reports pick up. They're going to try to get him to chase a little bit more, and you don't hit 350-something off balls. You don't hit that well off pitches that are out of the zone. That's the next phase of his development. Right now, hitting at the bottom of the order, low responsibility, a team that's losing most nights by a handful of runs. Guys are just trying to get through it, right? They'll throw you a cookie, see what you can do with it, You know, hit it hard. I'm sure we got a defender. Now I want to see what happens as he becomes a focal point of scouting reports, right? I think that's coming. That's the next stage of his development. Another guy I want to hit on really quickly is Eric Fetty, the 18th overall pick in the 2014 draft. Fetty, who is 29 and a veteran now and kind of the workhorse in this rotation who's going to go out there and eat innings for Davey Martinez, five and a third innings of three-run ball against a red-hot Braves lineup, four strikeouts, worked around three walks. He's got a mid-fours earned run average this year, about 4.88. We can dive into some of the the more detailed numbers, but he strikes out a little under a batter per inning. Last couple of years, the strikeouts have been up for him. He has become a major league back-of-the-rotation type starter. You never really hear him brought up in terms of the long-term plan, and I understand that. But for right now, whether it's that they dangle him, and I don't necessarily think that they should because they need some veteran pitching, or in the back of their rotation the next couple of years, you could do a lot worse than a guy who goes out, throws five, five and a third, five and two thirds, kind of a five and dive, three or four inning at a time, four, seven, five ERA guy. I mean, this is what a back of the rotation starter looks like, and he's turned into a decent major leaguer at a time where in their rotation they don't have many of them. Yeah, it can't always be Doug Fister in in a fleecing trade, right? Where the guy has an unbelievable season. For it can't be when you're rotation. winning 97 games. It, well, it, it okay. is then, but sometimes it's Dan Heron also, you know, a guy that's exasperating. But I, I think you said it very well, GP. The the days or the idea of him being a frontline starter, I think that's long sailed. When you know when he was first uh, selected out of UNLV, maybe there was some hope that he could be a top of the rotation guy. I think this is what he is. You know, he's going to uh, try to miss barrels, not miss bats. Try to miss barrels, get and do some soft contact, early contact, let the sinker work. Let you know, just throw his off-speed pitches for strikes and keep guys off balance. If you don't let dudes fire off their a hack, you can still get outs in this league, and, and he's doing that. Fielding independent pitching, basically with the ERA, kind of what it should be based on what he controls. A four point eight ERA right now should be around four four, and I think that would look serviceable a lot better. I mean, you're a good starter to a right away from being in in the low fours, high threes. So uh, he has been 
serviceable is a good word. I would even say at times pretty good for them based on uh, what his peers are doing in that rotation. All right, let's get to a double-A skipper in the Nationals system. Harrisburg Senators manager Trip Keister. He has been at Potomac. He has been all over the organization. He was a college coach. Uh, we'll get into the uh, details with him right now on Bustin' Loose Baseball. Let's learn about some of the young players on their way to the big leagues. Dang, zoom. And we are joined now by the manager of the Harrisburg Senators in AA in the national system, Trip Keister. Trip, thank you for the time on Bustin' Loose Baseball. How you doing? I'm great. Thanks, guys. Great to be here. Appreciate you having Appreciate you having us. Goodness gracious, I talk for a living. Appreciate you being on with us. Thank you for having us, though, <laughs> Thanks Trip. Thanks for having honestly. us, Trip. honestly. It's very nice yeah. of you to have us. Uh, I, I want to start with just your background a little bit, and then we'll get into some of the prospects and managing the minors. But you played professional ball. You were drafted. We won't talk about who. The Mets drafted yeah. you. But you played right. in the Mets organization. Then you started coaching in college. How did you decide you wanted to coach? And then how did you go from the collegiate ranks to latching on with the Nationals originally in the GCL? Yeah, I... Well, I scouted after coaching in college. I scouted, uh, and I was an area scout uh, in Delaware, Maryland, Virginia, the Mid Atlantic uh, region, and did that for a couple years. And I really liked it, but I didn't love it. I missed missed working with the players, uh, missed being with the daily uh, uh, with a team and getting guys better each day. And and a, and a, a guy that I had scouted against, who's in the area, a guy named Doug Harris. I'd taken over the minor leagues with the, with the Nationals, and uh, he was looking for, you know, a, a manager and someone to run extended spring training. And he had always kind of – we had stayed in contact. We were good friends, and, and he had asked me – he would uh, kind of uh, uh, vet certain names and things about, about people he wanted to hire. And he called me one time and said, hey, I'm looking for someone to run. Our, our minor league uh, extended spring and be our Gulf Coast League manager. Do you have anybody in mind? And I, I, I kind of just said, well, what about me? I remember I was at Dick's Sporting Goods buying my daughter uh, soccer stuff, and he called. I'll never forget, I was just standing there at the, trying to buy my daughter some soccer gear. And I'm like, hey, what about me? And then about a week later, I was I flew down to, at the time it was Vieira, and then I uh, interviewed, and and I was, and here I am 11 years later. So, yeah, it's been it's been a I love working in, in pro baseball. I do. I like college baseball too. I'm a fan of, of, of obviously of baseball. So, um, but I, I do love uh, uh, working with the guys, uh, trying to get them to reach their dreams, and, and that's kind of what uh, what I really do enjoy. Well, I don't blame you for wanting to leave the scouting world, especially in this area, because there are players like me, and I would have loved to have seen the scouting report with just the word no uh, written on it uh, in big red ink. But you were in South Carolina when you when you guys were number one in the country, right, with that Brian Roberts team and everybody? Yeah, we were good. Um, well, actually, the Brian Roberts, so I was involved in the recruiting of him when he came from North Carolina to South when he came to South Carolina. But then I went back and had gotten a job so I wasn't there to actually coach Brian. Uh, but uh, I, I was obviously a big fan of his and the way that he, you know, when he, when he had all that success with Baltimore and the way that he, you know, teaches the base running and 
things like that. I've always been a fan of the way he, he and his dad actually do a really good job of teaching base running. It's pretty good. Well, I never seen anything like it, Trip. He, he got on first every time. By the way, we didn't yep. get him out yeah, once yeah, the yeah. series. Stole second, stole third. I, I, the the, the two hitter I think had like fifty RBIs the second week of the season. We're like, how is that? And then we figured it out once Brian Roberts ate our lunch. But I, I wanted to ask yeah. you about the difference between college baseball and, and and pro ball, and and you know that college coaching lifestyle. If you're one of the made guys, if you're a head man somewhere, mm-hmm. it's it's just awesome. You got the keys to the king. You're running every camp, and everybody loves you. That assistant coach lifestyle is is a challenge, man. It's always your you know you're better dealing, and you know you're 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 talking to, to a million different people, and it's it's just so, such a challenge, I think. And then Pro Bowl's got its own challenges. I'd love for you to kind of compare and contrast the two worlds. Yeah, you know, I think in college, especially like like you said with the head coach, you're kind of the CEO or the general manager of your program. So you you know you're acquiring the players, and you're determining playing time and and, uh, you know, recruiting obviously is such a big deal. And then you've got to, you know, you've got to really sell your program to a lot of people, whether it's camps, whether it's, you know, potential recruits, um, you know, and sometimes with, even within your administration to make sure that they're supporting the program the way it needs to be supported. And, and there's, you know, obviously I still believe in the student athlete. So academics is a big, is a big deal uh, with, with uh, it should be anyway. I hope, I hope it is still in in college athletics, but uh, um, what you're worried about, you know, keeping guys eligible and, and, and getting guys working toward their major and, and obviously becoming better citizens. Uh, you know, when I, my son happens to be a, a junior at the University of Maryland, plays baseball. And I know that they they really, you know, treat, don't just treat, you know, talk about the baseball aspect. They talk about him, you know, growing up, becoming a man, being responsible and things like that. So I'm very, you know, I think that's all a part of the college experience that, uh, um, that I try to even continue in pro baseball. Now, in pro baseball, I don't have to worry as much, obviously, about the academics and, and the time commitment of, of school. But, uh, you know, we still do, you know, most of these guys, if, it, it, you know, a majority of these guys are not going to be Major League Baseball players, uh, you know, for, for a long extended period. So we are trying to, you know, we still coach the man and, and talk about things that, uh, uh, that, that uh, arise you know, with with just people, they're people too. You forget that you know there are professional baseball players, but they're uh, they're people. They go through the same issues that we have. I mean, it's Father's Day coming up this this Sunday, and we've got you know obviously a bunch of guys on our team are fathers, and they all you know have fathers, and so it's, you know being away from their families and stuff. So it's uh, and we go through a lot of that, a lot of the um, a lot of things that you know that that, that college coaches do, but. Uh, I like to think that we have a, a better interpersonal relationship because we're together so much and, and uh, you get to know the man. And you really, I really do try to coach the man, not just the player. That makes sense. I'd love to talk to you about that Maryland baseball program. What a year they had, and I hated the call that the, the Trey Turner call that happened to them in the postseason. But um, let's get into your Senators because there's a lot of Nats fans yeah. listening that want to hear about sure. this ball club. Twenty-seven sure. and thirty-two on the season. You guys are within five games, I think, right now of second place in the uh, Eastern League Southwest. But uh, there's there's a lot of different avenues we could go. I, I want to kind of start broadly, and then we'll drill down on some actual prospects and some guys you can yeah. educate us on as we go. How has yeah. the pitch clock worked in your opinion in the minors? I do a show where I get to talk to a lot of prospects every weekend. Some of the guys love it. Some of the guys hate it. For the most part, I would tell you that pitchers hate it and hitters love it, but it's a little more complicated than that. I mean, how do you think it's worked so far, and, and what kind of uh, you know good and bad has come from it? 
Wow, that's a great question. The it's definitely a hot topic, uh, and it's a daily topic. Um, I love the the the, the faster dead time because baseball naturally has a lot of dead time. So I love speeding it up between innings, uh, pitching changes, uh, things of that nature. And I think the the uh, the fans would would agree with that. The part that I that is taken some getting used to, and and it almost seems rushed is the between pitches. The between pitches for us is 14 seconds with nobody on, and it's 18 seconds with runners on. And you really can't stop the clock after nine seconds with with nobody on. So if a pitcher can't get a sign with a catcher or whatever, he needs to go to the rising back, man, that that comes in a hurry. And if you don't don't do that, if you don't uh, uh, figure that out in a hurry, it's just a ball. If you don't deliver the pitch, it's a, it's a ball. So that has definitely, it's almost sometimes it's, it's so rushed that it does cause, it does cause a, a negative outcome, if you will. Um, I will say, though, when, when the pace gets going, we played an hour and 56 game the other night. We won two to one. Mm, wow. And it, it, we didn't even need the lights. <laughs> we had played a game. We didn't even, you know, the lights were on, but we, we didn't need them. It was a, it was a, it was just a quick. How, how often you know, are they assessing balls to pitchers or, or, you know, strikes to hitters in these games? Is it every game, every inning? Like, what, what are we looking at now? Yeah, it's a, it's a, maybe every other game. Like we had one called on us yesterday. Our, our, our pitcher kind of walked around the mound, and it, it was a it was a three two count. He walked around the mound, didn't deliver the pitch, and the guy walked. It was really wow. It's frustrating. You know, he kind of he just. And because once you, there's nobody on, after nine seconds, you can't stop the clock. you got to get on and deliver the pitch. And what do you say um, to him? Like, are you upset at that point at the rule because it's new and dumb or potentially? Or or because no. your pitcher didn't follow the rules? Like, As an instructor, yeah. what are you thinking? Yeah, we got we got to be aware. I mean, that's all part of, 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 you know, being an athlete. You have to be aware of what's going on, right? And And so I was. I was not upset at the rule. I'll just say it at that. I, you know, let's go. Let's. We need to go. I mean, if a guy walks, I don't mind. You know, you don't want a guy to walk, but you'd rather him earn the walk as opposed to you didn't even deliver the pitch and let him earn a walk. You know what I mean? And so that uh, that that was frustrating. But we we have to be aware of this is the way it is. This is the way the rules are now. We've got to thrive with the rules that have been 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 set forth. So I, I don't know what what to say other than yeah. this is what we got to do. Let's do it. Trip Teaster is the manager of the AA Nationals uh, affiliate in Harrisburg. Keep going, Trip. Sorry. No, I'm sorry. I will say this. The part that I've kind of mentioned to the powers that be within the commissioner's office is I don't like, like, for example, the 7th, 8th, and ninth with runners on base. It's hard to play the game if you want to give signs because the hitters are so aware of being back in the box at nine seconds that they'll just look down for a couple signs and then, if you don't give it right away, man, they're getting back in because they don't want to get a strike called on. You, you know what I mean? So it's tough to play the game like first and second, no outs. You might want to give a, a bunt sign. You might want to, you know, take put a bunt sign on, then it's a one zero count, then you might want to take it off. Or because you just can't really give signs. There's not enough time. The There's no so Peyton aware. Manning at the line of scrimmage against Ray Lewis. That romanticism. Right. <laughs> are, are you uh, are you guys using pitch comms or is it all signs still? Well, we tried. We're not allowed in the minor leagues yet because uh, they don't have enough for to, to, to give to each to each organization. So that seems problematic. 
Yeah, I know. We would, we would love to try it because it would definitely alleviate a lot of the, you know, so for, I'll give you an example. When we have a runner on base, the, the throwovers and the, and the pickoffs from, from the pitcher are coming from me, from the, from the dugout. Well, we don't have a lot of time to give that and then have the catcher look, look in and then give signs to, you know, the pitch, you know, signs for the pitcher. And then there's just not a lot of time. You got, there's not a lot of time to play the game. And that's the part that it has been an adjustment. And I don't hate it. I just would say I wish there was a, a tick more time, maybe four or five seconds more so that the guys can play the game, if what, that makes sense. What about base running? Because that's another area that I'm really fascinated by on this, which is the idea that if I, – I think you guys are able to throw over twice, yes? That's right. So, But that's if you right. throw over twice, and I'm fat and slow, so I'm never going to steal. You don't have to worry about me. <laughs> but if you threw over twice and I wasn't fat and I wasn't slow, now I know you can't – what's to prevent me from getting the biggest lead ever and, and just walk into that bag? Well, yeah, that's what happened. I mean, that's what happened. So is that good so or bad? I want. I mean, I'm I'm not even asking as much as kind of thinking out loud. Exactly. I mean, I sometimes it's as a as a manager and trying to you know keep a double play in order. It's exasperating because if you get some fast guys, they just run wild. Yeah. I mean, it's it's which it's, is partially what they want, right? I mean, they want more yeah, steals. The action, right? They want the athletes to to kind of take over the game. They action. That's the right word, Danny. I mean, they want. They want something for the kids to watch when they're sitting there eating their ice cream, I guess, right? It is. And, and, and to, just to, to clarify, you can throw over twice. On the third one, you can throw over, but you have to get him out. If you don't get him out, it's a buck. He just goes to second. Or he wow. goes to third, whatever. So does anyone even tr- – like, that's like kicking an 80-yard field goal. Do you even try that? <laughs> no. I mean, that's the, that's the issue is – so you're so worried about the getting yourself painted into a corner of – must deliver the ball to the plate that you really don't throw over as much. So guys get bigger leads and go. It's a, it's, it's, it's been a, it's been a difficult process. The one thing that it has forced us to do is we are on the pitchers all the time about how fast they are to the plate. They've got to be quicker to the plate, one, three or better. And it, cause if you're one, one, five or one, six, you're, they're just going to steal second, steal third. If it's a guy who can run at all. Yeah. So, yeah, you've, you've got to be quicker to the plate, and you've got to be aware of, of, of who's at first, that's for sure. So, Tripp, you mentioned your pitchers, and, and also I want to tie this to, to what you said about your son, who's in Maryland. I was, I was you know, mm-hmm. to be honest with you, pretty awesome accomplishment of a college baseball player these days, as good as young players yeah. are. My son's eight, and one of the reasons I want him to do sports is to fail, is to go through the adversities, to go through the challenges, to go through the thing that's, you know, it's, it's about more than you, right? And, and learning to be part of the team. We've told all these kids how special snowflakey they are, and they need to get, you know, some of the negative experiences that only sports can kind of bring. And... Part of that goes to what I wanted to ask you about pitching. I feel like we don't let pitchers in the name of arms and development and making sure that you know the guys are healthier. We don't let them go through a lot of adversity at, at, at the lower levels. I'd love for you to speak to what you know. It was, you're a little bit older than me. We're around the same age group. Pitchers used to everyone was a starter, and you fail enough, but not too much, and then you could be you could become a reliever. Now guys are sort of born and bred as relievers. It's just it's just different now. I'd love for you to speak to sort of pitching development, maybe with the kid gloves. Danny, you just brought you just brought up a, a topic that I'm passionate about, and I'm I'm really glad you did. And I agree with you. You know, everything in life that you know that we've learned, we've learned through adversity. And when you when you fail, when you learn that I need to make an adjustment, or I always use the example of when you're a kid that that orange on the stove always looks so. I want to touch that. Like I don't understand why that's orange. I want to 
and your mom says, no, 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 don't touch. It's hot. And you go, well, I don't know. I want to touch it. And then you touch it and you go, you know what? She's right. But I learned not to touch that. Right. So, you know, we, we've learned through adversity and, and in baseball, it's, it is 100% the case. I mean, now you get players like that, especially ones that are very familiar to, to you in our area with like Bryce Harper and, and Juan Soto that have come up and, and, and not had a tremendous amount of adversity. Right. You know, but that's not the case for, for most of the players. And so from a pitching standpoint, you know, we talk every year about, we identify starters. And if you look at our, our pitching development, we don't, pigeonhole guys into roles until later on and it's usually around this time um i feel like we've been really good about developing starting pitching um keeping guys you know us more than more than other teams we we do want to get guys and the way that i say this is we want to we need to get guys to their number so they have a pitch let's say tonight's guy is like six innings 95 pitches we're still developing um we're still building guys up from they haven't, they're not quite – not everybody's at 100 pitches yet. So we got six and 95. Well, if it's at 80 – if he's at 84 pitches in that fifth inning, I'm running him back out there. Even if I say, man, he's, he's losing it or whatever. No, 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 we don't do that. And Riz always talks to us about that of, hey, get guys to their number. You might lose a game because of it, but you're developing starters, and we need to develop starting pitching. Is that we a hard cap, the, by the way, on 95, Skip? Depends on the guy. Okay. Depends on the guy. There's some guys that are maybe coming back from uh, – um, we don't want him to go over over eighty, or you know, I'm just using numbers right now. But no, no. But yeah, I guess what I'm guys. wondering is, is there a number where he, you're the manager, but like you're not doing what Davey's doing at the big leagues and watching him? You're just going like the instruction passed down is, hey, we don't want this guy going past X amount of pitches tonight. I'm trying to get a feel for that. Well, sometimes we have that, and sometimes it's a hard cap. But let's say he's at six innings and he cruises, and he's at seventy five. But that inning, that innings number is the number that that particular guy. Like he can't go seven and he can't get seven ups. That makes sense. Like so, it just depends on the guy and depends on what you know what they want out of a guy. Like for example, um, it, we've got a guy coming off of an injury and he's only allowed X amount of innings for the year. We don't want him to go seven, seven, seven. It's gonna it's gonna keep having him get um, build that the, those innings go fast. So we'll keep him at six or we'll keep him at five and. Um, you know, we, we manage innings just like we manage pitches, uh, with our starters to, to protect them and to make sure that they're, uh, they're viable here in the, you know, in the next couple of years, you know what I mean? And we don't want to, we don't want to shorten their, their season with innings or with, with, you know, it's usually innings with that pitches is, uh, is a is an individual guy had a, so for example, let's say a guy had a, a really long outing, he went to his number really um, uh, worked hard, got through six, got to 90. His next start, we might back off a little bit so that he's re- he's better for his, his following start. Does that make sense? No, it does. Uh, Trip, another developmental question for you. You remember in Bull Durham when Nuke Lelouch finally has a good inning and he's, like, celebrating mm-hmm. and Crash goes, your, <laughs> your, your, your curveball was up, your changeup was hanging, whatever. They would have ripped you in the show. And it leads yep. me to think – are you guys coaching to that next level? In other words, some guy right now could have a sinker-slider combo and, and get out to mm-hmm. the double-A level, but scouting reports and, and you know the, the world's greatest hitters will spit on one and sit on the other and, and sort of figure it out. Are, are you sort of saying, that's good for right now, dude, but you got to change your eye line, or is it just kind of let's you know keep building the guy up? I mean, where do you draw that line in terms of coaching to the next level for the level that you're at? 
Yeah, that's a, uh, that is exactly what we have to do. And, and what I always say to the pitchers is strike quality has to be good. Sometimes you can get strikes that are, that we can see at our level, they're right down the middle. And, and maybe you beat that particular hitter with stuff, but you start living down the middle in the big leagues and, and it's not a, that's not a healthy place to live. So your strike quality has to improve or, you know, your, uh, um, you, you give up, you, you throw that hanging breaking ball and a guy just misses it here, you know, while you got an out and maybe that was a success here. You know, we talk about that. I mean, but you don't want to just bury a guy all the time. I mean, I mean, right. guys miss pitches in the big leagues too. Um, but in general, yes, we talk about strike quality a lot. And so that's a, uh, that's a big deal. You know, when we, you know, pitcher has an outing and then we, the next day we talk about the outing. So, um, hey, how, you know, I always ask him, how, how do you feel your, your secondary pitches were? You know, did you, did you make good pitches? Did you leave any up? And, you know, it just, I let them answer. And it's a, but those are great questions in terms of uh, from a development standpoint. Is, is, and then the other thing is the strike zone in the minor leagues is always a little bit bigger. So you get some of those pitches on the, on the corners that you wouldn't normally get in the big leagues. You know, you got you know, you to command the baseball. Trip Keister's a manager in Double A Nats affiliate, and has done a nice job turning out a couple of prospects that have already helped him this year, and will continue to as the season goes on. He's joining us here on Bustin' Loose Baseball. So before we get into the players specifically, there's this handful of guys we want to hit on with you. I guess one more broader question would be: I think you know, there's been an eye-opening development the last few years on people seeing just how not glamorous the minor leagues are. And without going through all of the things that minor leaguers have to deal with, whether it's just, you know, eating the way they want to in the season or getting good sleeper or the travel or whatever it is, it's a really, really tough lifestyle. I mean, you're right there with them. You're on the bus rides. You're staying in the hotels. Can you just speak to, like, I think we we think of Cade Cavalli, like he'll be in the show in a couple weeks. That guy's just, you know, going on private jets. and It's just not like that on your way to the big leagues. Can, can you talk about just how grueling and grinding the process can be? Sure. You know, I, I, am, I am glad. Well, I played in the minor leagues, and when it was, you know, where we got a pack of crackers before the game, maybe, you know, where you had, a, you know, an apple and, and, and some rich crackers and a jar of peanut butter, you know. And was that really that how it is, pre-game. honestly? No, no, no. When I played, it was. No, no. I'm, that's what I'm saying. Was that really how it was then? It was. And but now, since I've been with the Nationals, and that was, you know, I got hired in December of 2011. Just 11 years, I say. We we do. I I really love what we do with the food. We have a pregame and a postgame for for all the guys. We have something that's, uh, um, you know, we really do try to make sure that you know the Latin players are getting uh, the food that you know that they really like, and we try to please everybody to make sure that uh, and that, that it's good food, there's enough food, there's, it's just, and I really, we, we've been one of the first teams to do that, and we still do it now, and we've added money for that each day. We have someone, last year it was our strength coach that was, was setting up the meals, and so they're, you know, a protein and carbs and just kind of everything that the guys need, and this year we have a nutritionist for the minor leagues that sets it up, uh, so from, a, from that, and the fact that the guys get their housing paid, I love that. It's really made things a lot easier for the, for the, uh, for the married guys. Or for the, you know, they don't have to check out of a hotel and figure out what they're doing with housing. Or the, you know, we've done a lot. The Nationals didn't really have a lot of guys that did you know, four, five, six guys to a house. I know we had host families in Potomac when I was there, and, and that's been 
we I didn't feel like the Nationals, maybe I'm wrong, but I didn't feel like the Nationals had the problems that some of these other teams had because I felt like we really did look after and take care of uh, of the players, especially if they had a need. Um, I remember the biggest deal in, in, in Potomac was getting guys to and from the park because a lot of them didn't have their – their their license. I remember Victor <laughs> Robles had his had his license, and heck, he was you know driving you know five six guys to the park. He was he was starting his uh, you know his uh, Uber, I guess, at like an hour before he had to be in the field, running picking up That's as many awesome. guys as he could. It was just it was just funny if you if you saw Victor Robles driving around six guys in his little car. It was just funny that uh, you know. But that, those are the, the the problems, I guess that 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 I always felt like were difficult with getting the guys to and from the field that didn't have a car, things like that. But, um, but yeah, the, the way that the minor leagues have been, well, first off, the fact that it's become public and, and so people are starting to care, you know, the treatment of the, of the players. I think it's, it's turned out to be a good thing. Now I don't, I don't look at the cost. I don't know enough about that, but it definitely, the players being able to not worry about, you know, little things like living and eating. <laughs> All right. Yeah, and Trip, I'm, I, and you're doing a great job speaking on some big picture issues that have been addressed in baseball. I'm more, you know, was even just asking about like you're away from your family for the first time. You're a teenager. You're doing your own laundry. Yeah. Like, you know, you're 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 six foot four potentially, and you're riding in an uncomfortable bus for seven hours, right. and you're getting sure. to the ballpark and after you know getting in late the night before. Like the types of stuff that I just think don't think people talk about where you look at the box score and you go, well, damn, Brady House went 0 for 3 again. It's like he's fighting a lot of issues at this point. You know, he's trying to it, – it's a grind for these guys. Well, every year I have somebody on the uh, on on the team on my roster that has a baby during the season. Every year. It's wow. never, it never fails. And we got, you know, a pitcher that found out his, his, his wife was pregnant in, in spring training and then a couple – I guess a couple of months uh, – maybe a month ago he found out he's having a boy and – it's his first. Ch- anyway, just you going through that kind of stuff with the guys, and it and it, uh, it's good stuff. You know, it really is. We got you know every. I try to every year do a do a little thing with guys that are fathers on Father's Day. You know that uh, um, because it does matter. You know, it does mean something to these guys that you know their fathers and maybe their kids aren't here. And and I try to always we do a thing as a, as a team. Each guy gets to talk about their kids and. Yeah, it's just kind of a, you know, you got to remember we got guys here that are 22 and we have guys that are 29. So it, that which I try, I will tell you, you know, people talk about minor league baseball and, but I, I, I try to make sure that we are a family because we are together a lot. We go through a lot together, whether it's good or bad, but uh, try to make sure that we all, you know, ha, you know, understand each other and have a good, good feel for each other. Trip, want to pick your brain on a couple of prospects that uh, were in your charge here over the last couple of seasons. We've seen Evan Lee now at the major league level uh, getting some outs. Tell us about Evan, I, an intriguing dude that was a two-way player at Arkansas, so still sort of learning the craft. It feels like a pitching, but uh, there's something to like there. I think there is. He's got a good curveball. He's a um, he's got an out pitch with that. He, he's getting a little more feel for his changeup up there. Um, he's had some success. I think he. He's, he is that tweener guy where he could – I think he's doing some starting and using him out of the pen. So I'm interested to see, you know, what his role ends up becoming. I, I saw Davey's comments in the – in the whether it was the newspaper or the um, – uh, in his press conference about he's putting him with the starters and having him in the starters meeting so he can get acclimated to the uh, to the, the meetings and what's going on in the big leagues, the way that they do their pitcher-catcher stuff. And I, I thought that was great. It was – uh, what a great experience for him! He needs to uh, 
needs to go out there and get out, whatever role they're asking him to do. But he, I think he, his fastball is 92, 93 as a starter. I think it might tick up a little bit as a bullpen guy. Um, but he's got that good curveball that he can get swings and misses with. Um, he's got to throw his change up. Uh, but, yeah, he's a, he's a guy that I'm glad he, he's getting better with each start, it looks like. I think he's starting, is it tomorrow? Or is he starting today? What, what, uh, he's, remember, he's starting a doubleheader Friday against the Phillies. Friday, your, your usual tomorrow, Friday doubleheader, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no kidding, right? Uh, how about Cole Henry? I, I love the guy. I, I, I've added him to my, you know, my nightly prayers now that his arm and everything allows him to just stay on the field and keep pitching because that's, to me, the only thing that's going to slow him down. What do you think of him? What's his potential? He just got bumped up to AAA and has thrown pretty well. Yeah, he has. He, you know, his, his thing is when he's – He's had success when he's on the field. Um, he was a 2020 draft, so got kind of got started with his late because uh, there wasn't a season that, that that year. You know, a little bit late with his development because of you know missed that season. But um, you know, fastball, slider, changeup, uh, very athletic. He, he pitches probably at 95, uh, maybe 94, 95. He'll touch a 97 in there, but he probably pitches at 94, 95. Um, but yeah, he's, he's exciting. Uh, I think his pitch ability, his ability to make pitches with his secondary stuff is, uh, is, is, is the best we've had this year on, and on our team and, and sending him up to triple I think he had a really good outing, his first outing. And I, I don't know, I think he, uh, got hit around a little bit his second time. So going through that development of, of, of facing those, uh, those better hitters and, and, and hopefully we'll see him in DC here at, at some point soon. Another guy we're hoping to see soon was in your charge for a bit last year. I think he had 80 strikeouts or so in 58 innings, which is pretty good yeah. if you do some of the math yeah. there. Kate Cavalli, what did you see? Was it one of those things, hey, man, real quick, would you sign something for me before you leave just to keep a keepsake <laughs> or something like that? <laughs> no, you know, it's funny. We had he and, uh, and Seth Romero were, were there together, and they were back-to-back, and it was a good back-to-back with their nights pitching. It was a good uh, – couple first-round picks you shoving on people. Yeah. Yeah, you know, Cade comes at you with loud stuff and throws hard with, you know, uh, power breaking ball, power change up, really. And, um, and, and, you know, he's another guy that was a two-way guy at Oklahoma and is a, is a young to the position. Uh, but, man, he's got, a, he's got a great arm. You know, I know that people – I know that everyone talks about his, his, his strike quality and his ability to throw it over, and, and that's a work in progress. But, man, his stuff is loud, and, and he is – He's the kind of guy, he's a next-level competitor. You know, you want him on the mound. Um, there's no one that takes his starts uh, as serious. I mean, he is, he's, he's wired and ready to go. He's a, he, he is a bulldog. I, I mean, I wouldn't put anything past him. I know, I know his, when you look at, his, uh, um, look at his ability to throw it over, and, and he's got to get better with his command. And I know he's working on it, but he's – I'm excited about him. I still am. I know people look at his walks and strikeouts, and sometimes he, but man, he he dials up. I think he he was no hits through five and a third the other the other day. Um, he's got some gems on that ledger, you know. When he's right, he does seven innings, ten punches, couple of hits or something like that. He he's overpowering exactly. even Triple A guys. There's a name that yep. those are the top prospects, right? Those are the guys everybody knows. There's a couple guys mm-hmm. I want to ask you about because I'm always every night just looking at your box scores. One guy who's sure. thrown really, really well. I don't know anything about 
is Jake Irvin, who I think is 25. He's huge. He's like six foot six. He's made 11 starts this year. He's got an ERA barely over two. He's striking out about a batter per inning with a whip right around one. What what's the deal with him? Same with him. He was he's coming off of uh, uh, coming off of surgery, so he missed last year. So we're we're he's one of those guys that I was talking about in terms of uh, you know we stay close to his innings. You know he's got a hard number on his innings, uh, like and, and his pitches that we were talking about earlier. Um, making sure he's he's building back his his rehab, going through that rehab process. And um, yeah, fastball loud. I mean, first off, you you look at the you know the pitcher when you was out there on the mound. It's exactly what they look like, man. He's he's six five and you know throws hard. And he, he's getting better feel for uh, for that breaking ball right now. He. he he, uh, sometimes when you're in, in, in lower levels, you, you kind of overpower people with your stuff and instead of command. And he, up here, he's, he's not able to do that as much. So he's got to his, – his pitch quality, his strike quality has to improve, and that's, what, that's why he's here, and that's what we're working on. But, uh, you know, in terms of Velo, he's, you know, 95-96, and uh, got that, that, that uh, breaking ball change-up mix that he's still – he, we're, he's still learning, and that's. But he is exciting, and he. I'm glad that you you picked up on that because he is exciting, and and he's coming. What about Matt Cronin? Uh, he's now in AAA. You you tapped yeah. him. You said, "Hey, come on out of this bullpen," and called upon him 14 times. He didn't give up a run. Now you'll be disappointed no. to know that he has now given up runs this year. I don't know what got into him, but uh, 22 <laughs> innings and 20 appearances with a 167 average against. He's now got a 1.9 or something ERA uh, for the season. He was drafted as a reliever, obviously fourth round pick. Yep. Uh, yep. I feel like if they called him up, he could get big league outs right now. But break down the stuff. For me, from the left side, and, and the twenty-four-year-old, like how close is he? Do you think? Well, he's very similar to uh, to a Sean Doolittle in that he has that riding fastball. He uses he he gets outs with his fastball at the top of the zone. Um, he he can pitch effectively up. Um, you know, the the popular way to say that now is is he's got a high spin rate, so his, uh, his fastball stays uh, more true. Um, but then he's been working in a split and 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 a curveball, so. Um, he really was good here. Now he was here a little bit last year, and he didn't have that success. So to see him come back here and and have that success, and then go to AAA, and to Danny's point, he's met some adversity, which is really good. So let's have him meet that adversity and fight through it, and uh, and, and and be the best version of him moving forward. Because he is similar to Sean Doolittle in that, and he throws a lot of fastballs at the top of the zone, and, and guys miss it. While we're talking about some of these guys that are with your ball club right now, I, I am curious. Evan Lee got the bump from Double A probably as much as anything else because he was already on the forty man. But what I've mm-hmm. always been told, and I want to see how you feel about this: if you can do it in Double A, you can do it in the big leagues. It becomes about consistency. Some teams use Double A for the prospects, and they don't even go to Triple A. That's kind of changed a little bit over the last several years. In a lot of orgs, you got to go to Triple A first. It seems like. How would you describe the Nationals' feel about those levels? But then also, just generally, like the idea of dominating Double A, what that might mean for Triple A versus the majors and that kind of pantheon of development. Well, from a Nationals' perspective, if you guys remember a couple years ago, our Triple A was in Fresno, and there was a lot of logistical issues. So if you remember, there were times when some of the guys would be in Double A. But as far as you know, Double A, Triple A, I feel like Triple A baseball is a higher level than Double A, and 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 we approach it as that. So when guys do well here, they don't necessarily always keep them here. They want them to go up to that next level and 
and and play against you know more advanced hitters and better hitters and and uh, you know sometimes as a hitter you know there's more velocity here in in Double A and looking at some of the teams that we've some of the organizations that we faced there was more velocity here than there was in Triple A. But that doesn't mean that they're better pitchers. That just means that there's more velocity that we're facing. Does that make sense? Sure. Um, yeah. You might have like so, uh, more raw arms, but some real stuff. Correct. And 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 you know the Nationals, the way that it, they've never told me their philosophy, but it just seems like yeah, when a guy is doing well here, and we need to get him to uh, to the big leagues, you know, his next step is to go to to uh, to AAA and and do well there and. Um, and so that's kind of how it, it seems as if, it, as if it's been. Um, but the, uh, um, but the nationals have never really, I don't, I don't really, I don't think we have, uh, I've never really been aware of a philosophy. I think it's just more logistics and, and, you know, like I'll give you an example. We had, uh, Trace Barreras on the 40 man as a catcher and he needs to play in case something were to happen up in the big leagues. And, you know, and, and our catchers, you know, we had Taylor Gushu to start here who had been in the big leagues last year. And, you know, those guys, he needed to play. It was just kind of one of those things where we got, you know, quality catchers. If something were to happen, they're always on call and we got to, they need to play. And so you, you can only really have, you know, one catcher that plays most of the time. Um, so he, he, and then Gush obviously went to, to AAA and he's been, they've been splitting some time doing some designated hitter stuff uh, up there as well. And we've got Drew Millis and, and uh, Brady Lindsley, two quality guys that are, getting themselves, uh, uh, you know, putting themselves on the map a little bit um, to get ready in case something were to happen. So, yeah, that, that is a, a great question, though, because you know, we called Evan Lee up, which was actually, and I'll share this with you guys, it was a really cool moment for me personally because it's the fir- he's the first guy that I've ever told was going to the big leagues for the first time. Oh, no uh, way. So we, oh, that's cool. Yeah, it was really cool. I mean, it's a, you know, it, it, who cares about me? But it was actually fun. No, but for that's me. a milestone. That. Like that's, yeah, that's a really neat. cool moment, dude. That's cool. Well, a couple of years ago, I was in Potomac, and uh, McCaddy, uh, pitching coach Steve McCaddy, called me, and Aaron Barrett was on was rehab, and he had to do a back to back. He had already been in the big leagues, and then after the game, he was told he was going to Syracuse, but McCaddy said, "Trip, just let him face one hitter to prove that he's ready, and then he's going to join our big league team in Baltimore." But don't tell him. So I'm like, you know, it was one of those stories that don't <laughs> tell him. But so as soon as he's going in, he's supposed to, he knows he's supposed to throw an inning. But now he's going to face – don't tell him he's only facing one hitter and then go get him. So – and then tell him to call me as soon as he walks in. Well, as I'm doing that, the first pitch he throws, he gives up a double off the right center gap. <laughs> oh, no. So I'm walking out to get him. And any of you guys that know Aaron Barrett, uh, no, he's a competitor. He's a great guy, but he's a competitor, you know? And I'm walking out to get him, and he's, like, looking at me like, what are you doing? I'm, I'm fine. Get out of here. You know, he's, he wants to pitch. You know, he just gave up a double to some A-ball guy. He's, 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 he's mad. So I'm like, hey, man, I, I got to take you out. He's what are you talking about? He's kind of – he's, like, borderline, like, mad at me, you know? He's like and, Scherzer and, and in the eighth and, inning when he's trying to empty the tank <laughs> and he sees Davey. So I go, trust me, man, it, it's all good. I got to – so as I walk in, I'm not supposed to tell him, and I go, hey, man, you're going to the biggest league. Just call him a caddy. <laughs> so, and then he came back, and, you know, Aaron was just so apologetic. And it's actually a funny story that we've shared for a while. But, but yeah, those, those first – so Evan Lee was the first guy that I had. That wasn't mad at you when you did it. 
Yeah, <laughs> that's a great way to put it, too. Yeah, that's uh, that's funny. You did it at like a B-dubs, too, right? I did. So we were on our off day, and, and everybody in, in all of the world wants to spend their off day at the Buffalo Wildlands in Erie, Pennsylvania. <laughs> so that's where we were, and I, I was not there. So I had to. I didn't want to do it over the phone. So I, uh, I got in the car and drove to where the the bus kind of takes the guys where there's some places to eat. And so we, uh, I go find them and I said, hey. And then there was a bunch of players at the table. I'm like, well, what, what better time than to, than to do it right in front of everybody? So let's just do it. And then we did it, and he was excited. So it was good stuff. We talked a lot about pitchers here, Trip. Give me some hitters I should have yeah. some eyeballs on here uh, that are in, in your charge. And also, I want to just add, what's is there a way to kind of like the new school way of, of sort of looking at stuff? Because, you know, again, you and I are close to the same age. We had like one column for batting average, one column for power stuff, and like somebody would look at RBIs. But now are you are you like, dude, your isolated power is over 220. Like are, like are you getting into that kind of stuff with these guys, or is it still just kind of mechanical development? And then sort of give me some guys to have an eyeball on. No, it's crazy. And in all the different stats and, you know, you can have a guy hitting 180 and, and you can find numbers that will say, hey, man, you got to call this guy up. You right. know, and it's just kind of one of those things where uh, you can get overwhelmed with with stats. And 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 we I will say this, you know, we are we, we talk about, you know, some of those, uh, you know, batting average expected expected is a is a is a big deal. OPS, you know, you're looking at guys that are that are that are driving the ball and doing some damage. And uh, I guess. The, the most consistent uh, hitter so far this year for us, I mean, we, we sent Gus to, to AAA, Taylor Gashu. Um, he was hitting three or four in our, in our order and, and really kind of solidified the, uh, the lineup for, uh, for some of these younger guys so they can get in some, some different roles, uh, different spots in the order. But Wilson Garcia has uh, got eight home runs. Uh, he's, he's hitting third for us, kind of DH playing first base. He's a guy that's really done well, and then and then two guys that have kind of come up through our system. Uh, Justin Connell uh, is playing right field, playing some center field. Um, got eight home runs, bunch of runs scored, RBIs. Uh, so he's he's a young player that's that's come up through our system. We drafted him out of high school, and um, um, and then Jake Alou, who's we're, we're moving him around the diamond a little bit, left hand hitter. Uh, playing him at third, playing him in left field, playing him at second. Uh, his value, he, his value is going to be where he can move around the diamond and play a little bit of, be that super utility guy that uh, um, that we can that we can utilize at a couple different positions. And as as you know, as big league managers need nowadays, that flexibility is so important. Harrisburg, one of five teams out of twelve in the league under four with a team ERA uh, this year. Yeah. Trip Keister is yeah. their skipper. Well, we really, really appreciate the time, Coach. It's awesome to learn so much about these guys. They're very gracious to uh, chat with us for this long. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. It was a pleasure, guys. Uh, stay positive. I know it, as a national fan, it has not been uh, the way that it's been the first uh, you know ten years. Uh, I know at least my first uh, ten years here. But stay positive. There's there's guys coming, and it's going to be. Uh, I, I know we all think about that, how great it was, you know, those, those winning years and everything. I'm, trust me, we we feel that way here too, and trying to get, you know, expedite that process as soon as we can to get back to that. Well, we appreciate you. Thank Be you, well, Trump. and uh, let's stay hot in Harrisburg. Let's get some of these dudes going, and we'll see them in the show soon. Thank you, Coach. Exactly right. Thank you, guys. Have a great day. Long gone. That was double-A manager Trip Keister here on Bustin' Loose Baseball. We welcome in producer Darris. Instead of a superlative today, 
we're going to play a little fair or foul. Yeah, let's play a little fair or foul. So I'll give you guys five different statements slash predictions, and you guys let me know if you think it's fair, where you think this statement could be true or will come to fruition, or foul, where you think there's no chance that this statement will happen, okay? Steamed Get up. up. Let's do it. All right, let's do it. Uh, so let's start at the top here. Juan Soto, his career average is 292, and you always hear Mike Rizzo. We have Mike Rizzo on our, on 106.7 The Fan all the time. You always hear him say, you are what your baseball card is. Juan Soto will be hitting over 290 by August. What do you guys think? Fair by five. August is a no-go for me because there's not a lot of time now between August and where we stand. I think at the end of the year, he will be hitting in the upper 270s, maybe even in the low 280s. I really do believe that he's going to catch fire. I have a hard time seeing him get to 290, though. He'll hit 310 somewhere along the way to balance it out in his career. Uh, he's that good. But variables are a little bit different. He's been in... Just a weird kind of a funk, and there's not as much support as there will normally be. So I say foul on that one. Foul, and it's not ripping the player. If he, if he hits 320 for the next month plus, he'll fall short of that probably. I was trying to do some rudimentary math just now, and it, I failed miserably. I got like 128 on my calculator, which had nothing to do with anything. It was just a number that I ended up coming up with with my terrible equations. But yeah, I think I'll end up falling just short of that. I, I do think he'll get hot, but the, the problems that Grant address, those are going to persist. He doesn't have adequate protection. If I'm the opposing manager for a team that wants to win games, I am not letting Juan Soto beat me. All right, got it. Question number two here. Josh Bell, he is... Second on the team in war, win, wins above replacement, one at one and a half behind Juan Soto. Josh Bell remains on the roster past the trade deadline. Foul. He will be traded. No doubt about it. He's your best asset. He will get them the most back. Switch hitting, potential power hitting, decent fielding this year, first baseman. He's gone. I'm going to go against the grain here. I agree with everything Grant said, but just to be a little bit of a hipster, I think it's fair because I don't think they'll get what they want in terms of an offer. And I think they may explore trying to sign Josh Bell for a, for a couple more seasons. I like the idea of keeping Josh Bell in the house. All right, question number three. Let's get to Lane Thomas. He started con- seven consecutive games as the leadoff hitter in the Nationals lineup as of this taping. Fair or foul, Lane Thomas remains the leadoff hitter for the remainder of the season. Uh, well, the, I'm sure there'll be games he won't, but I'll, I'll do this. Fair. I think Lane Thomas hits at the top of the order for a while uh, at this point. So whether that means the majority of the games that are, that are left to be played for the team, he's the leadoff hitter, or... Or, so I'll say yes. I'll say it's fair with a little bit of an asterisk kind of a qualifier there. I will say foul. I've, I'm, I've got more foul balls than a, a dude who's out in front of a fastball right now. Uh, I will say foul. I just think it's there's going to be a few guys that do it. I don't know if Lane Thomas will be here or who will or who won't be. I think Hernandez could hit leadoff some. I think Robles could hit leadoff some. They'll do all kinds of wacky things. So I will say he will not be their leader in leadoff appearances the rest of the way. Ooh, Robles in the leadoff spot. <laughs> I just threw up a little. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, all right, let's go to question number four. Luis Garcia. He has three errors so far through 14 games. His career high is 10 errors in 2021 through 67 games. Fair or foul, Garcia keeps his error total under 10 through the remainder of the season. Foul ball off the bat. Uh, we'll have 10 by August 1st, I think. I think it's okay, by the way. I'm not running him down. I think that's fine. This is the time. He's learning, and part of that learning means he's going to make some boots. Foul. There will be errors. Just like Daniel Day-Lewis was in a movie called There Will Be Blood. There will be errors. I'm not as worried about them right now. I want them to, to learn and get better and improve, but I want to repeat, there will be errors. 
How sweet was that home run on Wednesday night? It was fire. Very sweet. He made a great play defensively, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. He, he is. He makes crazy plays more often than he makes routine plays at shortstop. It's, Agree. It's a wacky thing. All right. Last one. Let's get to Keeper Ruiz. He's batting 266 currently as of this taping, 15 RBI, 16 runs, three stolen bases. Is Keeper Ruiz a top five catcher in the National League? Fair or foul? Right now, this second, Oof. that's tough. I'm not going to go all foul, so I'm going to say fair. Uh, probably not completely fair, but I will say by the end of this season, he will be a top five catcher in the National League. And I'm just going to stop saying anything now because I need I need to make it work in my own head. But I'm going to say fair because I don't want to say foul on everything. I'm a huge K. Barrett Ruiz guy. I think this is a guy that can be an all-star down the road. So uh, by the end of the year, top five catcher. We're sleeping on how many guys are having huge seasons at catcher. I know. I'm trying to run through them all in my head. I'm well, going, okay, number one, I two, three. I looked it up. I think he was like 13th in OPS at the catching position. But that night might not be like a qualifier. That might be anyone who's batted. Uh, but I'll say based on throwing more guys out than anybody else, you know, how he's handled games, how young he is, the expected batting average, all that. I could make a case. Yeah, as of this taping, there's only four qualified catchers. I believe uh, it's Wilson Contreras, Dalton Varsho, JT Real Muto, and I can't remember who the fourth one was. Probably William Contreras, the other Contreras. All the Contreras brothers. Maybe Travis Darno. Awesome. Yeah, Darno like hit the middle Braves of the order. catchers who both are having great years somehow. And that's really annoying. Um, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say foul, and it's again, it sounds like I'm running down Ruiz. I'm not. I really, really like him. He's he's better defensively than I thought. That's not just throwing out runners as a receiver. He'll he'll learn to call the game. I think the power numbers come, but uh, he's not there yet. But will be. All right, guys, that was fair or foul. Thank you for participating, Darius. Thank you for planning a fun little game for us to play, like me and my wife do on the weekends for our kids in our driveways. Next time, bring uh, some sidewalk chalk. Danny and I can can draw pictures of uh, houses and stuff. Right now. Still don't have it. I still don't have it. Keep working on it. Right now. I think it's kind of like that. It's like, Nationals baseball starts right now. That's kind of it, actually. That was a good one. That's, mm, that's pretty good. Maybe I we'll felt like I was that in that Did you? Yeah. And it all starts. That's what he says. Yeah. And it all starts. Right now. The same number of people at Nats Park, so it feels right. Hey, oh, don't you. Hey, come on. Come hey. On. We're no. supposed to end on that hey, note. No. Now we got to do wow. more podcasts. Okay, you're right. Boston Loose Baseball in the books. Please leave a comment, rate, and review. We will read some shout-outs next week. This has been Episode 12. We are back at it early next week. Enjoy Nationals Baseball.